0: Today we continue with our sermon series called uh, Reset. If you remember back to last week, uh, we looked at the infancy stage of uh, Reset, of our spiritual life, and, and we, we said it was baptism. Uh, if you remember, we focused on how baptism saves us, how in our baptism God declares us not guilty, uh, how we're forgiven, God forgives our sins, uh, and we receive the gift Of the Holy Spirit. That is where we are reset in our baptism, washed clean, made new. And so today, before we begin, I want you to consider this question Who are you? If somebody asked you that question, how would you respond? It's an important question for us to consider because the way we answer that question is going to affect the way we view others. Let me say that again. The way we answer that question, who are you, will affect the way that we view others. There was a presenter who asked that question to a bunch of college students studying to be pastors and teachers. He stood in front of the group and said, who are you? And like a bunch of college students who could tell that they were kind of being set up, uh, nobody raised their hand. And finally he started calling on people and, and he said, young man, who are you? Well, I, I'm, I'm a student. I'm a son. I'm an athlete. Is what the guy responded with. Okay? The presenter said, and, and you, young lady, who are you? well, I'm a student, I'm a daughter, and I'm a lifeguard down at the pool. On and on he went. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And finally he stopped. And he said, none of you told me who you are. You all told me what roles you have in life, but none of you actually said, who are you? You never answered that question. You see, being a student, being a son, a daughter, a lifeguard, being a parent, being a grandparent, all of these are roles that we play in life. The world views people by their roles and by their actions. They determine who you are by what you do. And when we start falling into that mindset, when we start identifying ourselves with who we are and answering that question by the roles that we play, the roles that we have in life, it is going to affect the way we view other people. At one point in his life, the Apostle Paul viewed people this way. If you remember, Paul was originally Saul, and he was a Pharisee. The Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was top of the line, morally flawless. In fact, he says so in the Bible. He says uh, that he kept the law to a T. Uh, He was so zealous for the Jewish faith that he he murdered Christians. Because he viewed them as a threat. Until one day when, when Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. You can read about it in Acts chapter 9. Jesus appeared to him. And he reset his life. And he named him Paul. And Paul became the greatest missionary of all time. He started more churches than anybody else, and he pastored more churches on top of that. And one of those churches that he he pastored was a church named Corinth. Uh, And he wrote two letters to the church in Corinth. And today we're going to look at the second letter to the Corinthians. uh, Chapter 5, beginning with verse 14. Here's what Paul tells us. It would help if I get into 2 Corinthians chapter 5. There we go. All right. Here's what Paul tells us For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Where does Paul take us? He takes us back to Holy Week, right? The week that Jesus was arrested, put on a sham trial, was crucified on the cross, and was raised to life again on Easter morning. He takes us back there, and he says it's there on the cross that, you, that Jesus died for us. It was on your behalf, on my behalf, that Jesus died on the cross, It's there that we were made new. And notice who Paul says this was for. Christ died for all. This is for all people. He died for the most annoying person that you can imagine. He died for the person that is most offensive to you. He died for all. That means even the Hitlers of the world. The Stalins of the world. Christ died for them. Christ died for the President of the United States. Christ died for you. He died for me. He died for all. Why? So that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him. And that's your first point this morning. A reset life is all about living for the one who has reset you. See, Paul says, we no longer... uh, And that makes sense, doesn't it? That makes sense. We at one time uh, were bound for hell. We were going into the eternal fires of hell, but then Jesus saved us. There was nothing we could do to escape it, but then Jesus came, He lived, He died, He rose again on our behalf for us, for one purpose, to save us. And it was completely out of his love that he did it. So of course we want to live for him. Of course we want to dedicate our lives to him. Of course we want to live lives of thanks to him for saving us. And there are many ways that we can uh, live for him. But Paul focuses on one way uh, in 2 Corinthians here. And he continues by saying this. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view though we once regarded Christ in this way we do so no longer therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old has gone the new is here Paul says we no longer regard people from a worldly point of view how does world what's the worldly point of view It's labeling people by their actions, by their past mistakes. That is the worldly way of doing things. That's how the world regards people. Paul knew exactly what this was all about. As I mentioned earlier, Paul did this as a Pharisee. He labeled people. But not only did he do the labeling, when he became an apostle, he was labeled And people judged him according to his past actions. There were some people in the Corinthian church who didn't like Paul. Whenever Paul came to mind, whenever somebody thought of Paul or mentioned Paul, uh, they would say, not my pastor. Not Paul. He's not mine. Nope. And we're not really sure why, uh, but we can make some logical guesses. It's possible that the people looked at Paul and said... You murdered Christians, Paul. That's what you used to do. And now you're supposed to be my pastor? I don't think so. Now you're supposed to be the authority over uh, the Christian church here? I don't think so. You're a murderer and you're a hypocrite. And they labeled him. Maybe they viewed him uh, as a boring preacher. In fact... uh, He he preached so long at one time in the book of Acts that he put someone to sleep and he fell out the bedroom window. You can read all about in Acts. Maybe he had some kind of speech impediment. And that's how they labeled him. And Paul even goes so far as to say that this is how he used to regard Christ. He said, We used to regard Christ in this way. At one point, Paul did view Christ as a blasphemer, as a liar as a danger to Israel. But Paul says, we no longer view people this way. We no longer regard Christ in this way because the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And that's your second point for today. When you are reset... You are a new creation. When you are reset, you are a new creation. And that's Paul's point. Who are you, Corinthians? Who are you? You are a new creation. Yes, at one point we were sinners, and we could be labeled by our sins. But not anymore. Not anymore because we are a new creation in Christ. He lived perfectly for you. He died for you. He rose again for you. And when Christ died on the cross, He nailed all of those labels, all of your past mistakes, all of your sins on the cross. And that's where they stayed. They're no longer associated with your name. You are a new creation. And as a new creation, we no longer view people as the world does, from a worldly perspective. We no longer label people uh, by their past actions or past mistakes. Instead, we view them through the lens of Jesus. And how does Jesus view people? He views each and every single person as somebody for whom he died. And that's how we view people. Or is it? When we watch the news at night and we see the reports of the murderers, the drug addicts, the thieves, the sexual predators, and their mugshot comes up on the TV screen, do we think there's someone for whom Jesus died? Or do we begin to think that person's disgusting? Do we begin to think, uh, uh, label his actions to his name and associate his actions with him? Yes, to be sure, his actions or her actions were disgusting and we wish they didn't happen. But do we put those actions onto that person or do we view them as someone for whom Jesus died? It doesn't just happen on the news though, does it? It happens with people that we know, with friends, with family. We go to school and we drop our kids off and we see another parent who doesn't parent the way we do, who parents differently. And because they parent differently than us, we think they're bad parents. And so whenever we see that person, uh, whenever we see that kid, uh, whenever we hear the parent's name, we immediately think, bad parent, instead of, that's someone for whom Christ died. When we see the bully at work or at school, we automatically think, bully, and not, that's someone for whom Christ died. When uh, When we see... That co-worker who's lazy and irresponsible, is the first thing we think of is, hey, there's someone that Christ died for? Or do we immediately think lazy and irresponsible? Maybe it comes out that one of our families is an addict. Whether it be drugs, alcohol, porn, workaholic, uh, sleeping around. And, And what's the first thing we think of? addict, or that's someone for whom Jesus died. Each and every person that we come into contact with, Jesus died on the cross and He rose again to save. And that's how we view people because we are a new creation. The old has gone Everyone we come into contact with is someone for whom Jesus died. They are blood-bought children. And we especially regard people like this who are Christians. Because Christians uh, have uh, had faith worked in their heart, faith in Jesus. And they have received that personal forgiveness that comes from Jesus. And God looks at them, and He says about them, these are my blood-bought children. And this is how we view people. We view people this way because God says, these are people for whom I've died. We no longer attach labels. We no longer regard people uh, from a worldly point of view. I wonder if some of you remember uh, a man named Riley Cooper. Uh, He was a wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. In 2013, uh, Riley Cooper became famous. Not so much, or infamous, not so much for his uh, play, but because he was involved in some controversy. Riley Cooper was caught on camera going on a rant saying that he wanted to beat up all the black people at a Kenny Chesney concert. It was filled with racial slurs. And one of the problems uh, was the fact that Riley Cooper is a white guy. After uh, the the rant went viral, uh, Riley Cooper came out and he apologized. He said he was sorry, uh, and he asked everyone to forgive him. Reporters interviewed two of Riley Cooper's teammates. One was Mike Vick, and the other one uh, was LaShawn McCoy. Here's what Mike Vick said. As a team, we understood because we all make mistakes in life. And we all do and say things that maybe we do mean and maybe we don't mean. That's what makes it easy and at the same time hard to understand. But it's easy for me to forgive him. Here's what LaShawn McCoy said. We've been friends for a long time. But in a situation like this, you really find out about someone. Just on a friendship level, I can't really respect someone like that. To hear how he really came off, that shows you what he's really all about. And so there you have two different responses. Mike Vick, who forgave him, didn't associate with him with what he said. LaShawn McCoy said, this is who you really are. Labeled him by his actions. Why could Mike Vick forgive so easily and not attach Riley Cooper to those things? Because if you remember, it wasn't long before that, that Mike Vick was in prison for dogfighting. Mike Vick knew what it was like to be filled with shame over your actions. Mike Vick knew what it was like to need reconciliation uh, between family and friends and, and reconciliation with the public. Mike Vick knew what it was like to walk into a room and have people label him by his past actions as a dogfighter. And so it was easy to him, for him to forgive because he knew he's not really a dogfighter. He got caught up in it. And the same was true with Riley Cooper. He saw people through the lens of Jesus forgiven, blood bought children. We are new creations. And this is how we view people. We don't label them by their actions. And here's what Paul says. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The fact that you are a new creation, that's all from God. God didn't look down from heaven and say, hey, there's something in that person that makes me want to be friends with them. He didn't look down and say, hey, that person is just good enough that I'm going to save him." No! All of this is from God. At one point, your relationship with God was broken. Mine was too. It was broken because of our sins, because of our past mistakes, our past sins. And our relationship was broke. But then God sent Jesus, who lived on our behalf, who died on our behalf, and was raised to life again. And it was because of Jesus that God no longer keeps a record of our wrong. He has forgiven our sins. All of our sins nailed to the cross with Christ. Those labels, those terrible, nasty labels that could be labeled to your name, God says, nope, not yours. They're with Jesus. Now when God looks at you, He sees a new creation. He sees His blood-bought child. He sees His friend. And that's who you are. You are a new creation. You are God's friend because of Jesus. So now what? Well, you can imagine Paul answers that as well. Here's what Paul says. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That's such an important verse at the end there. I, I'd like to take a minute just to talk about it. God made him who had no sin. Who was that? Jesus. He had no sin. God made Jesus to be sin for us, to take on our sin. Why? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God. We call this a great exchange. Jesus took on our sins, and in return, he gave us his righteousness, holiness, and perfection. He made us new. And now, Paul calls us God's ambassadors. An ambassador is somebody who, who represents someone else's ideas, thoughts, Uh, what they want accomplished. And here Paul tells us that we are Christ's ambassadors. We are God's ambassadors. Does that seem crazy to you? We have that privilege? We have this huge responsibility? Shouldn't that be reserved for uh, the highest priests and the highest pastors in the world? The ones who are really in public eyes, uh, not us. you're the perfect ambassador. And let me tell you why. Because you know your past sins. You know the horrible, embarrassing adjectives that could be attached to your name. The labels that could be attached to you. You know them. And yet, God doesn't label you that way. You see... You have come to know the unbelievable love of Christ. You have come to know that God doesn't see your sins. You've come to know that God has nailed all of your past mistakes and all of your future mistakes and sins to the cross. All of the labels that could possibly be attached to you are there nailed to the cross, and God doesn't see them anymore. He had Jesus take all of them and nail them to the cross. And in return, He labeled you His friend. His blood-bought child. A new creation. You know this love. And now God says, go show this love to others. And that's what our Gospel Seed chart is all about. 200 Gospel Seeds in 2018. The reason it's there is because we know People. Each and every one of us. We know people who are living going to bed at night, defining themselves by their actions. We know people who are filled with shame and guilt over what they've done. We know people who who are afraid to walk in a room because they're afraid of being labeled by past mistakes. You have this message. The message of Jesus' love. The fact that He nailed their labels to the cross just as much as He nailed your labels to the cross. Your sins. Their sins. And they need to hear about it so that they can have the same peace that you do. It's my prayer this year that we see people and we take, advantage of, uh, we take advantage of the opportunities given to us to tell people about the love of Christ, that He died for them, and that He no longer labels them by their past mistakes, but He labels them the same way that He labels you. He calls them His blood-bought children and friend. May God bless you this week as you remember over and over again that you are a new creation, and that you see people through the lens of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made us a new creation. We thank you that you have taken our sins away, that you have reset us, and that you no longer attach any of our labels to us other than blood-bought child, forgiven, uh, and friend of yours. Be with us as we go, go from here. Help us to to see the opportunities given to us to tell people about your love, uh, that they may know that they are your friend and they are blood-bought as well. Amen.